Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode on the podcast. For those of you that maybe are new, welcome, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, my name is Monica Yates, and let's jump into another conversation around White Lotus. So firstly, I cannot wait for the next White Lotus uh, season to come out, and I really hope that it's soon. I know you have to wait for a year, and I just think that is like punishment, to be honest. I didn't love the first season that much. Um, I thought it was kind of boring, but I loved the second season. And the reason why I love the second season is because I feel like there was there was so much that people could relate to in terms of the relationship dynamics. So that's really what we're going to be talking about today is like finishing off understanding and diving into the different relationship dynamics that we were seeing so that you guys don't do what they did <laughs> because they all have very unhealthy relationships. Um, and also there was some fantastic points that were really touched on by the writer from one of uh, the characters, Portia, just really about how things have moved these days in terms of people and dating and relationships and polarity and all those kind of things, which I loved seeing. And if you haven't watched Sex Life, that show also blew me away in terms of what was brought into the writing and everything that honestly, a lot of people need to learn. And you guys kind of know this shit because of listening to my podcast. Um, so hopefully more people are going to get on the bandwagon. If you haven't listened to the recent episode that I did breaking down sex life, please make sure that you do because it was so good um, and you guys loved it. And I'm really excited to be also able to do another part of that as well. Okay. So as the show continues, we really start to see some like reoccurring patterns and themes playing out. Um, and for this episode, I'm really going to group things by character so that I don't confuse you guys by going through a timeline. And then like, you can't remember it all because we don't probably remember every episode. I mean, I don't even necessarily remember everything that happened every episode. So I'm going to actually kind of group it between couple slash character so that we're kind of breaking it down in a really tangible way so that you guys can take a lot of lessons away from this episode. Also, if you guys haven't seen, I am so excited to be announcing that we have two masterclasses coming to you that have not been covered in other programs, FYI. So if you've done Queen Alchemy, if you've done the immersion, you can still do these masterclasses and they are two separate masterclasses, one for doing energetic healing work for your skin and another for your gut. So if you struggle with bloating or skin issues, acne, eczema, any of those things, this is going to be such a great masterclass to come to. And I'm not going to beat around the bush, right? One-on-one -on -one is always the best because I can get very customized and personal with you of like, right, what is your skin holding? I can take you through different modalities than I can obviously on a big group healing call. But also I know that's not you know, possible for all of you. I know that all of you aren't maybe ready to do that. You're not ready to invest or you can't invest that money yet for whatever reason. And obviously I'm always encouraging you guys to expand and value yourself. And I know that life is life. So for those of you that need a little bit more of a low cost offering to help heal your gut issues, your bloating, your skin issues that are not physically related, right? You've tried the fucking elimination diet. I mean, you've tried everything. You've tried the supplements, you've tried the things and it's not going away. Then these two masterclasses are going to be fucking amazing for you. So please make sure that you come. They will be held live for the first round. Um, and then I don't know whether I'm going to just sell them as recorded or whatnot afterwards, 
But for now, we're launching them live by joining. You will be able to come to the live call. You'll obviously get a recording as well, and then we'll see what happens there. But yeah, make sure that you have uh, joined the waitlist. On the waitlist, you will get 20% off for the first three days of open cart. So if you're not already on the waitlist, I'm going to put those below so that you can make sure that you can be because we all love a saving. Okay. So first, let's jump in. Let's talk about Portia. She is like the epitome of a frustrated modern woman that wants a man, but she also, as she very, she also very clearly says that like every man these days is non-binary. Like obviously she's making a mass generalization and over-exaggerating, but it paints the perfect picture of what she's trying to achieve in this whole season, right? And that is to be dominated and ravished by a masculine man. And she literally says, to Albie at breakfast that she wants a man. Essentially, she is implying that every man is too soft these days, right? She she wants to be with, of course, the right guy, but she really wants to be well fucked. And obviously it's important that you know, important to mention that she ends up with the wrong guy. And I feel like this then paints the picture of often, you know, oh, the bad guy that's good in bed is sorry, often the hot guy that's good in bed is the bad guy that fucks us over. And I don't want to be painting that picture for us, which is why I love sex life because the character Billy so perfectly paints the picture of you get the hot sex and you get the safety as well. So thank you, Billy. But what I still love about Portia's character and what she is really helping us lean into and embrace is that there is nothing wrong with wanting to be well fucked. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be devoured. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be led. And what is so clear is that she literally is turned off by Albie's like, I'm a perfect man, soft boy, feminist stuff because there is no sense of safety. There's no discernment. There's no direction. There's no protection. There's none of those kind of things, right? Their interactions are so are so like middle school vibes. Nobody wants that when you're an adult. Like if you remember at breakfast one morning, she goes over to him and she's like, you know, maybe we can do something today. And he's like, yeah, maybe like I'll find you later. Like, oh my God, that's, it just made me cringe that scene. Because what we really wanted to see was, yes, Portia, I want to do something with you later. I'm going to text you um, a time and a place to meet me and let's let's have a great day together. Whatever. That kind of sounded lame. But you get my point, right? Is we want to be told we, we, we when we are kind of reaching out and initiating in that way, we want it to be received and we want to be dominated in the reception of it. Um, you know, for example, some people will ask very often, do women, is it bad if a woman makes a first move? And I kind of talk about this a little bit in Embodiment of Dating number two, where it's if you actually understand body language, a lot of the time women make the first move in that we we kind of create this initiation of like, I'm interested, right? And I even think back to this because with me and my fiance, I'm like, did I create the first move? Like, did I like no, like he really pounced. <laughs> but when I really think about think about it, is that I welcomed it. I 100% like my body language allowed it and received it, which then kind of gives the man like, okay, I can make the move. So if we want to get really technical, I guess women make the move in that sense. But we, as a woman want to feel like a man is making the physical move, is making the direction, is, is leading us in where it is that we actually want to go. Right. And we really do need to change the narrative that the bad boys 
are the only ones that are good in bed and the only ones that are going to devour me. And I have to settle for boring sex and a pathetic man and a man that isn't going to lead, right? We don't need to choose. It's not this or this. It's this and this, right? There are men, there are plenty of men out there that would go to hell to keep us safe and protected and be fucking amazing in bed and not be a bad guy. So the only thing that I didn't like then about the whole, like the whole play, like what played out with Portia and her whole situation was really that it was like, oh, she ended up being with like the bad guy and he was the one that was good in bed and whatnot. But I also want to say, I fucking hated that guy. Like if he was sleazy and if Portia really had like self-worth and we know she doesn't have self-worth, it makes it very clear. She is literally like a mini Tanya, right? She doesn't have a lot of self-worth. Um, she doesn't stand up for herself. She doesn't have a lot of discernment. She's very in this like wounded phase of her life. And we all go through that. That's fine. But what I'm saying is that there were so many red flags with that British guy. I can't remember his name. I don't care. Um, and he was such a wet fish, such a wet fish. If you don't know what a wet fish is, a wet fish is like, you know, when you shake someone's hand and it feels like a dead wet fish, like they haven't grabbed your hand and been like, hi, nice to meet you. It's like this flo- Oh my God, I cannot even, it makes me gag when somebody gives me a dead fish handshake. And he is the dead fish. Like the, his whole persona and everything about him and his character is a dead fish. I mean, between the not paying for the arancini balls, between him constantly wanting to get drunk, between him just kind of like blowing off Portia and gaslighting her when she was like questioning life and saying how like the world's such a fucked up place, etc. He doesn't have depth, right? There wasn't any substance to him, but she was settling for that because she wanted to be dominated and ravished. And I think this is what happens for a lot of women, or I know this happens for a lot of women where it's like, I either can have a safe relationship with a guy that doesn't ravish me and doesn't really have a lot of depth, but at least there's safety. Or I can be with a guy that fucks me super well, but I'm kind of like gaslit and we don't really have any depth and he kind of blows off my thoughts we think that we have to choose between two pretty bad options. And when we think that, it's about the fact that we're settling. We settle with the version of ourselves that we want to be. We settle with what we want to be with. And we don't take ownership and, frankly, leadership of the kind of relationship that we want. And even when you're in a relationship, ladies, you are always co-creating right? You are co-creating within your relationship every day. My day today, we were co-creating when we're having a little romantic moment in the kitchen this morning. We were creating our day. We were setting our day up. And we're not like, I'm not saying that I'm like intentionally like, oh baby, like what do you want to co-create with me today? I don't don't do that. But I'm always co-creating in terms of the way that I respond to things, the way that you respond to things, the way that I choose to think about things and believe things and act on things it is then creating something else in my life. And so her lack of self-worth, self-leadership and discernment meant that she really allowed this British guy to fuck her over because she wasn't seeing the red flags or she was seeing the red flags, but then not acting on them. And like how many of us see the red flags, but don't actually act on them, right? Like a lot of us. So We also then start to see in like, you know, in like the middle of the season kind of thing, 
how manipulative Cameron is. And we, I feel like we kind of knew this, but we really saw it when him and Ethan were having their little night together. Um, and even though Ethan is often painted like the good guy, he really isn't that much of a good guy, right? Because the frustration that we see from his wife is not being solved by him. And when it comes to the feminine and masculine energy, the feminine can only be in her feminine and receptive to him when she feels like she can fully trust him and that he's got her and that he's claiming her. Well, Ethan isn't doing that. And Harper really starts testing Ethan and he doesn't bite. And that creates an issue, right? It creates an issue because she's wanting him to bite. She's wanting to be claimed by by him. So we really start to see with them that they are not as healthy as they make themselves out to be in the beginning of the season, right? And it's not healthy that this game they're playing anyway, right? Uh, You know, Harper is playing this game of I want Ethan to bite because she doesn't know how else to go around feeling claimed. She can't express herself. She's shit at communicating. He's shit at communicating. So they're all just in one big shit show, right? But if you understand the way that our trauma and our desires affect our behavior, we can actually see that from like a viewer's point of view, Ethan should be biting in order to start to heal the relationship between him and his wife. So if you can look at this situation through the lens of trauma, desire, behaviors, etc., Harper's playing a game and trying to like get him to bite because she's wanting to she's wanting to get her desires fulfilled. Right. And she also doesn't, she obviously has some kind of communication issues from trauma, vulnerability issues, et cetera, trust issues, I'm sure, which then affects her ability to properly communicate and execute to get the result that she wants. And she thinks the only way to get the result is to play a game. Right. And she's probably not, the thing is, when we're playing a game like this as women, we don't really know that we're playing a game most of the time. We're just, we're, we're deeply hoping for our needs to be met because we literally don't think or see another way for our needs to be met, right? We test the masculine because we're wanting to find safety or wanting to feel safety. Women test. And some people could say it's unhealthy that women like test or it's like a wounded feminine trait when the feminine tests. And I see that point of like communicate. And though also is that if if you're not seeing and feeling the action and you're not feeling him, the communication isn't cutting it. You're then testing because you want to feel him claiming. You want to feel him owning you in a healthy, healthy way, right? So as we start to see between Cameron and Ethan, their relationship is not as healthy in as we think it is. It's not healthy in the fucking slightest, right? We think that they're like good friends or college friends or whatever. It's not healthy. Cameron manipulates Ethan with the whole like bro code thing. And Ethan seems to have no backbone and doesn't put his foot down to Cameron and say, no, he allows himself to be be manipulated and walked all over by Cameron. And if that's not the definition of a pathetic man, I literally don't know what is, right? So he is abiding by his bro code more than, and by the way, they're not even like best friends, right? So he's abiding by his bro code over being honest and authentic with his wife. And I want to say, I'm sure that there are many situations people find themselves in where it's like, do do I choose my best friend or do I choose my partner? Well, 
This is not the same situation because Cameron and Ethan are not best friends. They have a very unhealthy relationship and there is no respect that they have for each other in the slightest, right? Ethan though, like going to him, it's very clear that he feels guilty as fuck for lying and not knowing how to get himself out of the situation, right? It, we need we see that in his body language. We see it in, in how he's engaging with Cameron. We know, and it's very clear that he feels very, very guilty. So we can empathize and sympathize with him for that, right? Maybe not empathize, sympathize for him. And we see that, we see through his guilt that he really does have a good heart. And this is important because this is like what he, the situation that he finds himself in, if too many men find themselves in the situation, right? He has a good heart. We can see that about him. We can see that about his character, but his execution isn't really helping his point, right? His execution is making Harper think that he's lying, excuse me, and hiding something from her when in reality, he's actually just being a fucking people pleaser. And often people that are people pleasers, they're not trying to do any harm, right? They actually have a really big heart. And because of how big a heart they have, they don't know how to draw boundaries because they just don't want to hurt anybody. But often what ends up happening is that they do hurt people because the lack of boundaries causes a lack of trust. A lack of boundaries causes a lack of trust. Remember that. As I said about Harper with her whole issues, so let's jump onto her. When Harper finds that condom wrapper, right, she clearly goes into a freeze response. The problem is, and too many of us do this, so listen up, ladies. The problem is, and men, that by not speaking up, she ends up using it against him. It turns into resentment, all based on an assumption that she has made. The thing is with resentment is like once you have it, it is hard to get rid of, but it's so easy to create. And what happens for a lot of people is when you aren't in tune with your body, when you don't know when you're going into a bit of a freeze, fight or flight trauma response, when you don't know yourself, when you don't know your needs, when you can't identify your own emotions, when you just have all of this stuck energy, this these blocks, this emotional shit in your body and all this trauma you can't take the adequate steps before resentment is created. You realize it once resentment is created and often, not always, it can be too late to rebuild that trust and that opening, right? Because resentment really closes you off to someone. She's closed the fuck off to Ethan. It feels like no matter what Ethan does, she's like got a chip on her shoulder and she ain't budging. And so that's where it's like you have to get, you have to nip resentment in the bud before there's resentment, right? Because otherwise it can be so, so hard to reverse and heal in that relationship, right? So this resentment and the assumption that she's made is then kind of what gives herself this rite of passage to think it's okay to flirt with Cameron. It's like she uses it as a as a whole pass, right? To then go and do what she wants. If they were in a healthy relationship, they would have actually communicated. And by the way, they think they communicate they fucking do not communicate. They would have actually communicated. And what would have happened is that she would have frozen when she saw the condom wrapper, right? That would have been normal. He would have, like uh, Ethan would have picked up on 
her body language or Harper's body language as a husband should because he knows his wife well enough. And he would have been like, no, sorry, she would have been like, what the fuck, Ethan? Like, what is this condom wrapper? And showed Ethan the condom wrapper, right? And he would have then immediately explained the situation, throwing out any bro code business and any of the manipulation from Cameron. He would have, I mean, he wouldn't have even accepted that shit in the first place, but he would have thrown that one out the door as quickly as possible, especially because he knows that Daphne already knows that Cameron cheats. So he couldn't even use the argument of, I was trying to protect Daphne. Like she doesn't give a fuck clearly. Right. So, and that's a whole, like Daphne's a whole other character in herself. And Ethan knows this about their relationship, right? Ethan knows that the trust is important. The thing is, is that the trust he's, the thing is, is that he is valuing the trust from Cameron more than he's valuing the trust from his wife. He's valuing a very half-assed relationship more than his lifelong partner. Hi ladies, I want to quickly interrupt, and I should say men too, I want to quickly interrupt the episode to let you guys know if you haven't already seen the exciting news. I have two new masterclasses coming out. I mean, they're kind of healing classes. One is for your gut. One is for your skin. If you have been noticing that no matter what you eat, no matter what supplements you take, you are still struggling with your skin and you are still struggling with your gut, with your digestion, bloating, etc., then I would really recommend that you check out these healing classes. The reality is, is that our skin holds massive energetic components and our gut holds massive energetic components, right? If you have a sense of unsafety somewhere consciously or unconsciously in your body, that can be causing your gut issues. If you feel afraid to be seen, or if you feel afraid to be beautiful, or if you feel afraid to express yourself and a million other reasons, that can be causing your body to literally create this barrier so that you don't have to be seen, so that you can hide behind these skin issues. Our body is always communicating with us. And I want you to know that you can fix your gut issues and your skin issues. And these classes are for you if you've tried all of those physical things. Okay. So I'm going to put the links below. If you have any questions, let me know. They're going to be both held live and they will have a recording. So if you can't come to the live call, as long as you buy your space, obviously you will get set the recording very shortly after for you to be able to do. All right, let's jump back into the episode. So like I was saying before, of course there could be moments where maybe you're in a battle between who, like, do I do my best? Like, do I choose my best friend in this? Do I choose my boyfriend in this or my partner? I I get those moments. This is not one of them. But before even getting to that moment, when there is crystal clear communication, when there is honesty, when there is trust, when there is vulnerability, when there is full acceptance for your partner and you feel fully accepted, you wouldn't even be getting to a place where you have to choose between your best friend and your partner. You wouldn't get there. And to clarify, Ethan and Cameron are not best friends because Cameron is fucking manipulative and a dick, (laughs) frankly, right? So we also see with Ethan, right? Ethan and Harper have such a complex dynamic. And this is kind of what then 
we're going to be really going into them in this episode because there's so much learning material from them that I want you guys to get because I know that you like seeing those like real examples to be able to compare to and have context of. So we really also see that Ethan blows off Harper's feelings a lot throughout the rest of the episode, which really isn't great. It's also very clear though that he doesn't know how to express feelings or how to communicate to her at all. Right In the end, we really start to see Harper testing Ethan by continuing to ask him what really happened last night or that night, and he's not budging. We obviously know that he didn't do anything, but she's testing him and you know she and he's not able to even identify the testing which is then making him lose as well. It's like a lose-lose situation. She's like giving him, uh, what's the word? Like I'm giving you uh, something and you're taking whatever. I don't know what the phrase is. Maybe that doesn't work here. But anyway, point is, is that um, it's so clear that Harper is trying to get safety from him. Harper is trying to get some kind of validation because a woman's intuition is strong, right? I actually write about this in my book, but because of the amount of estrogen that we have in our brain, it is fully written about and researched about that women's gut intuition is so much stronger than men's, right? And so we cannot deny that when like, and like men, when your woman is onto something, she's on to something. If she feels it, she's going to fucking go to town to prove to herself and validate herself that she's not being crazy, right? So we obviously know that Ethan didn't do anything, but he isn't getting the gist of, I need to give Harper the safety and the uh, like closure that she's looking for. He just continues to blow her off, which isn't helping anything, right? Because of the lack of health in their relationship, we start to see that Harper almost gets off on her resentment like a power trip. Not a vibe, but how many women use their resentment, use their anger for men, use their emasculation as a power trip? It's a low vibe, for want of a better word, thing to be doing, and it doesn't get you the feeling that you're craving, right? So the feeling that Harper's craving is to be claimed, desired, devoured, loved, and like fucking wanted. She's a little bit jealous of Daphne and Cameron's relationship because even though Cameron's cheating, he fucking devours his wife. He makes it clear that he wants to be with her. He claims her. Even though, you know, Ethan doesn't cheat, she doesn't feel claimed by him. Doesn't mean you go cheat to feel claimed. It's just saying that like there's a little bit of jealousy there. And so it's almost like she's getting off on this power trip. And what I found really interesting is that when Ethan saw the condom wrapper that Harper just left in the bathroom for him to find, it's so clear that she can't have confrontational situations until it's heated, until her adrenaline is firing. She just like blows it off, shuts down and gets avoidant. That's her kind of coping mechanism. They seem to both love the adrenaline and yelling at each other. And they can't seem to have conversations because the only time they actually opened up and fucking communicated in the slightest, they were yelling at each other. They were getting in a confrontational situation about something that really could have been resolved days ago, number one, but also number two, in a calm way that would have allowed for intimacy and depth to be created. All that happened is they became further apart from each other and further distance, right? 
it's like they needed to instigate a confrontational situation where they can be protecting themselves and get defensive rather than doing it in a calm manner and bringing it up in the moment. And why this is important to bring up to you guys is because this is the case for so many couples. They wait until they're yelling at each other and full of adrenaline because then they think they can get the point across. So many of us feel like I can't get the point across if I'm doing it calmly and if we're having a calm conversation. We feel that the only way that we're going to be heard, seen, felt, etc., is by yelling. And if there's one thing that you can start to do in your relationship is to have the mindset of if we aren't getting closer when we're fighting or when we're arguing, we're arguing incorrectly. There's a whole entire module in Embodiment Day number two about fighting well because no one wants to fight, right? But there is a way of fighting well and there is a way of fighting incorrectly. The way that Ethan and Cameron, sorry, not Ethan and Cameron, the way that um, Ethan and Harper fight is really fucking badly because we see that they actually become further apart from each other. There is no depth created. There is no trust created. There is no understanding even created. They have a two-second argument and then it's just like blown off because neither of their nervous systems can deal with it. And moreover, more importantly, neither of them know how to properly communicate and express themselves and have vulnerability and depth in their relationship. Raise your hand is if you're in a confrontational raise your hand if in a confrontational situation you don't know how to get deeper and closer and more intimate to your partner. So many couples fight with no resolution. They don't even get what they wanted. So it's like, okay, you're now hating each other in this moment, or you're now pissed at each other, going to bed angry, and you didn't even get what you were trying to get. Like waste of resources, if you ask me, right? What's also bad that we see in Harper, although I do get it, is that she really does go into this like mother mode where she says, I left you one night alone and you took Molly with hookers. This is massive, massive emasculation. I'm sure you were all watching this being like, oh my God, Monica would not be approving of this. And I completely get where she's coming from. I actually really do. She's annoyed, rightly so. And she should have expressed that in a much more productive way that would have resulted in a better outcome rather than just getting angry at him like he's a child right? There was a whole other way to approach the situation that would have actually led to deeper intimacy. And a resolution rather than just yelling at each other back and forth and shaming each other would have really, really allowed for the two of them to learn from the situation, to learn from each other, to learn what they should have done better, what they could have done better, to learn how to communicate the next time. I mean, there's an opportunity for both of them to have healing in this, right? Like Harper could have had healing around her trust for maybe men in general. And Ethan could have had healing around, you know, him being in a situation that he isn't proud of, but knowing that his partner is going to understand and trust him in that. All that's happened is that they now trust each other less. They could have, of course, it would have been maybe a little bit bumpy. I'm not, I'm not saying that it might not have been, but because there's been lying, there's only less 
trust now. There isn't even the same amount of a lack of trust. There is now less trust. There is a bigger amount of a lack of trust. They're not even staying where they were um, before this happened, right? And obviously what doesn't help and what doesn't help Harper's pain is that Ethan gaslights her a lot. Ethan really does gaslight her pain and her anger. And, you know, he says he was saying things like, let's not make a big deal out of it. And, you know, I didn't lie. I didn't lie, et cetera. And that, you know, you should be happy that that was all going on. And he didn't, you know, you didn't get it. And he didn't get, have any sex, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely not. Right. So he was trying to make himself feel better because he felt guilty and he was gaslighting Harper for having concerns about the situation instead of explaining what actually happened. This is a very clear example of him projecting his trauma and trying to make himself feel okay. But in doing that, he made himself look worse in her eyes and like less of a man. And at the end of the day, you never want to feel like your partner can't trust you. And gaslighting somebody's experience that you clearly did, right? Like you clearly lied about is not a good way to deepen the trust in a relationship. And he had an opportunity to deepen the trust in the relationship. And he, if he actually wanted, more importantly, if he wanted to deepen the trust in the relationship, he would have owned up to the fact or should have owned up to the fact that he didn't do anything and he didn't say anything to her and then he lied because he was scared to do so. Even if you've lied to your partner, ladies or gentlemen, you know, if you've lied to your partner and she is trying to get it out of you, the worst thing that you can do is keep gaslighting her. The best thing that you can do is go, babe, you're right. I'm lying. I'm so sorry. Can I explain to you why I did it? And then you on the receiving end, you need to say yes. Doesn't mean you need to then just like brush past it and be like, okay, like no worries. Because like it could have been a really big deal, right? But if you can understand and have a little bit of empathy, because there's always a reason why somebody lied. Doesn't mean the reason is acceptable, but there's always a reason. So even if you can just understand the reason you then leave that feeling like, okay, something that I've learned and I can help to create the environment where there's less likelihood of lying. I kind of talked about this in the episode that I recently did about cheating. You know, uh, like, are you more likely to get cheated on if you're the female breadwinner? And I was really talking about the way in which that you interact with your man and the way in which that you create an environment is going to obviously dictate whether these things happen. You know, whether you are kind of like not pushing him into it, but you're not exactly making it happy for him at home kind of thing. And this is the same even when it comes to lying or anything like that. You want your partner to feel like they can be fully authentic with you and that you aren't going to just like kick them to the curb. You know, knowing your partner's vulnerabilities and your partner's triggers is one of the best things because that can help you to further understand them and create healing for them in the relationship and frankly, create healing even for you as well, right? So if he got vulnerable and expressed things in a calm manner and, you know, it guaranteed her and claimed her and was physical in the way that he expressed that nothing happened and really opened his heart in a way that she could feel it, I guarantee you that they would have actually learned a lot about each other in that moment and become closer. Obviously, they both don't know how to handle themselves in these kind of situations and they both just shut down in different ways. Like I said before, you know, Harper is avoidant. 
you know, Hopper in this moment with the argument just goes, okay, fine. And you can literally see the resentment on her face. And his coping mechanism is to gaslight her, right? So he gets defensive, she gets avoided. They both just kind of blow it off, which is such a bad idea and such a bad move. They needed to actually continue to talk calmly with intimacy until there was joint understand understandment and learning from either side. Not to just like build up resentment and become further apart from each other and create more avoidance from each other, right? A good fight is one where you feel closer at the end, not further away from each other. So if listening to this is relating to you and you're like, oh my God, I am so Harper or I am so Ethan, I really encourage you to reach out so that we can do some healing work so that you're not behaving like the projection of your trauma, but rather behaving in a way that you feel really proud of the next day. Because there is no worse feeling, am I right? Waking up the next day and being like, God, I hate the way that I behaved yesterday or I hate what I said or like I'm not proud of this or X, Y, and Z. So moving forward uh, to uh, that dinner, do we remember the dinner with the four of them, like the two couples where they're getting drunk, they're talking about threesomes, and Cameron starts to brush Harper's leg. Clearly, Ethan is not having fun, and you can see the resentment that he has building up towards Ethan because he feels like he's lost his wife to a problem uh, at like that isn't his. And they're trapped in this mess and it's causing more and more problems. And it's causing more and more problems because they need to leave this energy and get back to themselves and not be on this like high of the unknown, right? Harper is getting off with this power trip that she has over Ethan and Ethan is being very passive about it. If I did that to my fiance, I mean, well, he wouldn't let me, lol. But the whole point is that they're staying in an environment that is worsening their relationship. If there was one thing that they did right now, even if it wasn't communicate, it would be leave this fucking environment so they can actually get back to the Harper and Ethan that we met at the beginning of the season, not the one that's been kind of influenced by the shit show of everything going on. What I also want to bring up a scene that was really important to, to listen to and look at is so Harper eventually like brings up the fact that, you know, they're not being fully honest about their unhappiness and in their relationship. And she asks him a question. She says, do you even want me? Keyword, ladies and gentlemen, want, not do you love me? She knows that he loves her. Do you want me? Because as the quote says, love isn't enough. I don't want to be with someone that just loves me. I want to be someone that is, be with someone that fucking wants me, that is obsessed with me, that wants to devour me, that literally cannot get enough of, enough of me. Like I am their fucking medicine, all in a sexy, healthy way, right? Of course. And so then Ethan's response is, I love you. There's a pause there for a reason. She says, do you even want me? And he says, I love you. Shit, dude. No, that's not what you says, right? She literally then says, this is so depressing. She says, this is so depressing because she wants you can you can literally see it oozing out of her body. She's a good actress. She wants to be wanted and he is not claiming her. She is trying to be equal and it's only getting 
her so far. She's tried to play the game. She's tried to make it clear to him, right? And this is where it's like trying to be fucking equal all the time, trying to be like perfect all the time, not having polarity, not understanding masculine and feminine. Like, fuck guys, it's not going to get you the feeling that you are wanting long-term in your relationship, right? It's not It's not going to get you rubbing yourself the right way. It's going to get you rubbing yourself the, or getting your partner rubbing you the really wrong way because there's a lack of polarity, right? She wanted him to come over onto the bed and grab her and like shake her almost and tell her how badly he wants her. And, you know, in that moment, what would have actually been really good is for him to fuck her brains out. That would have been really good. His response of, I love you. I mean, it was kind of pathetic, right? If I was her, I would not want to be hearing the soft words of, I love you in that moment. In that moment, it was the moment of, of being claimed, of being devoured, right? I'd be wanting to be grabbed. And like my partner, my fiance will sometimes do this to me. If I'm just being like annoying about something, he will grab me and be like, baby, I fucking love you. Like, what are you doing? And this was like more so, I guess, like in the beginning of our relationship when I would kind of be like questioning something or be like, like, I don't know, like, is like whatever it was. Right. Or I I remember times when we were doing long distance and I was like so fucking just exhausted with like the back and forth. And I was like, is this like, are we, is this the right thing to do? Blah, blah, blah. Or when I moved to Atlanta, for example, and I was just going through that whole process of leaving my home and like my friends and all that kind of stuff is that the thing that I needed in those moments, excuse me, the thing that I needed in those moments weren't like, honey, it's all going to be okay. I love you. Like, I don't need that soft shit, right? In, In those moments from a man you want to be grabbed. And the reason why you want to be grabbed and held firmly, and this is obviously by a man that you love and trust and et cetera, et cetera, is because it allows your physical body, the feminine, to relax. It allows your muscles to relax because you feel held. You don't feel like you have to hold the fort down. You don't feel like you're the one driving the car. It's like he's got you, right? So in that moment with Ethan and Harper, it was the perfect moment for him to physically grab her and make it so effing clear that he wasn't going anywhere and that he wanted all of her and that he was so sorry. And you guys get the gist, right? Et cetera, et cetera. But him being passive and mopey, it's not getting him anywhere and it's sure as shit not getting her anywhere, right? And we then start to see how much uh, this situation has kind of made Harper like throw in the towel, right? Because she starts flirting with Cameron. She starts playing a whole other level of her game. They go to the room, they kiss. Then she starts like gaslighting uh, Ethan when Ethan asks whether they kiss. I mean, it's a whole just continuous thing that goes on and on and on because she's kind of thrown in the fucking towel, it seems, right? She doesn't really care anymore because she's literally realized she isn't wanted. She is, yeah, maybe like he's chosen her, but it's kind of probably a bit of convenience. We don't want to be in a relationship because it's convenient. or We don't want to be in a relationship because we're afraid of being alone. We want to be in a relationship with someone that is like, yeah, I could be alone. I'm not choosing it because you are my everything and I would never fucking leave you. And you couldn't do like, try to let me leave because I will not. Why do we want to be in that? Because it creates safety. It creates safety knowing that we can literally do anything, be anything, say anything, like be dramatic, be emotional, and you're not going anywhere. And the feminine especially really wants that because the feminine wants to feel 
Like we can be so expressed and so emotional and so just like crazy sometimes and it won't turn him off. That is what we want to feel. Friends, I'm quickly interrupting this very juicy episode because I need to remind you that the Australia event is coming up very, very soon and the tickets are soon going to stop selling. So by the end of April, there'll be no more tickets available for you to buy. So it's really important that if you want to come, that you have done your due diligence in checking everything that you need to check about this event so that you can make an informed decision and not just checking the logistical side of things, but checking your intuition. Because like I've said, I'm not doing this event again in Australia in at least the next six years. I've been really open and transparent on the recent episodes. We you know, think we want to start having kids in 2025. I'm sorry, but I'm not taking a fucking toddler to Australia and dealing with that whilst I'm running a three-day event. I do not have the patience for that. So if you live in or around Australia, please, please, please do whatever you need to do to make this event happen. Because like Tony Robbins says, it is not a lack of resourceful of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. So if I was to explain that to you guys, think about in terms of all of your resources, time, energy, money, etc. Where are you telling yourself you're being resourceful, but you're actually not? Where are you afraid to really dig into in regards to your resources? What are you, what are the things that you need to maybe do to take the leap to get over your ego that actually is resourceful in making this happen, right? So you have the resources. Everybody has the resources because we all live in the same world. It is about whether you are being resourceful or not. Of course, some people have it easier than others. I'm not denying that. But you do have the ability to make this happen. It is whether you believe that you can and whether you are actually applying yourself or whether you're just telling yourself you are, but you're really doing a half-done job. So if you have any questions, if you're not sure whether the event is the right fit for you, if you're like, oh, I want to come, but is this program better? I don't know. Please, please, please just email support at monarchygateshealth.com so that we can guide you in the right direction, honestly because I am very clear with that. Like people will email all the time and I will actually give you the right directions. Like you might say, I want to do this program. And I'm like, no, you actually, that's not right. Stop. You're not, you're not going to get what you need out of it because you need to do this first. I'm really open and honest with that because I want you to get the results. That's why I do my job. So I'm not just going to sell you the event. If it's not a right fit for you, I'm going to actually give you a little bit of a, a guide of like, okay, first do this, then do this, then do this. That's going to give you the best result. Okay. So any questions, let me know. I'm so, so excited for this event. It's going to be absolutely incredible. The vibe is cozy mountain vibes because it's like kind of winter in Australia at this time. So it's going to be blankets, tea, cacao. We're trying to get like electric fireplaces in there. Like it is going to be a vibe. I'm telling you. So I will leave it there. Let's get back into this juicy episode and do not forget to also leave a written review if you haven't already and send a screenshot to media at monarchyateshealth.com so that you can get your free exclusive meditation only available for my podcast listeners. Okay. I took my blazer off. I was getting hot. Um, all right. So let's finish up with our favorite character, Albie. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I'm definitely, I, his character, I just feel like I can go on and on about, but you guys know what I could say. So with Albie, we've already kind of like realize that he's a little bit of a mess. Um, he is a softy with his lack of direction, his lack of discernment, his lack of action. And honestly, it only gets more cringe when um, he's at the beach club and he says to Portia, 
to Portia. He says to Portia when like she's talking to that British guy, you know how like they just met and, you know, she was meant to meet Albie at the beach club, et cetera. Albie's just, you know, sitting there so pathetically and and he eventually goes up and, and asks Portia like, hey, I'm here. Like, do you want to catch up or whatever? When Portia's talking to the British guy who we don't like and it's so cringe to watch because he doesn't claim Portia and he he also so like when he goes up to her right he he like wants to claim her he wants her like you can tell what the desire is there but he's trying to be so politically correct trying to make her feel so comfortable that it does the opposite right like it literally pushes her away because it doesn't make a woman feel comfortable when there is a lack of masculine energy because then we feel like we have to be the ones in control we want to feel like you're in control and that you've got us that is what makes us relax that is what makes us feel comfortable right so it's awkward as hell when he goes up to Portia and he doesn't put his foot down to her at all and he also doesn't claim her right? So the reality is, is that he thinks that he's being played. But if we really dove into feminine and masculine and the importance of creating it with like the importance of polarity in romance, etc., Albie is letting Portia play with him, right? A fucking masculine man would not let a woman play with him. He would take control of the situation, whether that is I'm claiming you kind of thing or whether that's putting his foot down and no longer engaging with the kind of games. Either option is still like a very masculine man kind of vibe, whether it's I'm no longer engaging in this kind of uh, like game behavior or I'm fucking claiming you. He does neither. He's just like a pushover, which doesn't make Portia any more attracted to him, right? And the funny thing is like we've, we've all been in these kind of situations and then we end up after the bad guy, bad guy fucks us over, we end up thinking, oh, I should run back to the good guy. But then we literally then go, oh, because I've been hurt by the bad man, by the bad guy that's great in bed though, I'm going to go back to the soft boy who doesn't turn me on, but at least I won't get hurt and we settle. We settle because we've been hurt in the past and at least then we can't get hurt with someone like Albie, but you do get hurt in the end because you hurt yourself. You reject yourself. You reject your desires. You abandon yourself, right? So like insert Billy from Sex Life, who's just like the perfect blend of who we all want to be, right? So what's really funny also about Albie is that it's an interesting character, right? Because he thinks that, for example, like I said before, all hookers are victims. But as we know about Lucia and Mia, they're choosing it. They make that very clear. They're fucking empowered in it, right? And it's like I was saying in the last episode, he thinks he's all like feminist, quote unquote, but he's tiptoeing around and cradling women. And that actually kind of alludes to the fact that he thinks they're weak. If he really thought a woman was strong, he wouldn't then be thinking that Lucia and Mia, for example, are victims. He wouldn't be tiptoeing around, right? He tries to protect them like a little puppy, which is the opposite of what a quote-unquote feminist man would be doing. Interesting, right? It's so funny how we think the execution is one thing, but if we really dove into it, often we're not actually embodying what we think we want to. So he's trying to embody like, I want to support women. I want to be feminine, et cetera. It's like, okay, sorry, feminist, et cetera. I'm like, okay, if you want to be a feminist and support women, like, fuck me, <laughs> right? Like, give me what a woman wants. A woman doesn't want to be cradled like a puppy, but then 
Well, sometimes I do, but then at the same time, not be protected when a guy is fucking chasing their car and, and, and he just lets Lucia go away with these guys that are clearly not good guys. So he's not actually being a good man at all. He's not actually being a man that women want. And this is where it's like, we women need to express what we want to men because they are being so confused by the social messaging and then us not giving clear messages, us not even knowing what we desire because most of us won't even let ourselves admit to ourselves what it is that we are desiring, right? Hence my podcast. Like you're allowed to want to be claimed and ravished and, and, um, and, what's the word? What's the word? Oh my God. Uh, dominated by a man in a healthy way. That doesn't make you, you know, a submissive in a bad way woman that makes you empoweredly submissive, empoweredly submissive. You can't take that phrase. I'm trademarking it. (laughs) Empoweredly submissive. I'm going to make a program about it, but I really want you guys to actually hone into this phrase. How can I be empoweredly submissive? I know the word empoweredly, empoweredly isn't a word. We're just going to roll with it, right? So a lot of us have taken the word submissive and made it a bad thing. Like to be submissive is to be weak. No. In order for you to actually be fully submissive in a confident way, right? So like true submissiveness actually takes a lot of strength. If you were to be truly submissive, you're actually really fucking empowered because the only way that you can be truly submissive in your mind, in your body, in your soul is to know that you, you could say no, is to know that and to be able to do that. When a woman is being walked all over, that's not her being submissive. That's her being a doormat. That's her being walked all over because she doesn't know how to say otherwise. But when you're choosing to be consciously submissive, that is a whole different ball game and it's sexy as fuck. So jumping back to what I was saying, right, of like Albie thinks he's all feminist and then lets Lucia get taken by these guys in a car, et cetera. It was just like such a weird situation, I thought, because it's it's that scene where they're driving to try to like meet their long lost family, et cetera. And Lucia's getting chased by the guys that like he obviously she obviously works for for money, et cetera, et cetera. And when they get when they eventually pull over, right, and like also I'm like, there's three men in the fucking car, and not one of them was like no to Lucia. Not one of them put their foot down. And it, what's really funny is that Albie makes out this whole thing with his character of like, I want to protect you. I want to help you. But then when it comes to those moments of protecting, she goes, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he then goes, okay. And lets her literally get fucking kidnapped. I mean, not actually because she chose to, but he he lets her go with these clearly dodgy men and he literally shuts his dad up. He literally makes his dad stop trying to protect her, protect Lucia and like get out of the situation. And then what I found so interesting is like we literally see, see the generational differences. Then when they get back in the car, the grandfather, whatever his name is, gets so mad that they let Lucia go. And it's like, what's funny is is that this is where my my whole point is. It's like we have to come to a new equilibrium because we've seen that scene with the whole grandfather movie scene where the grandfather is labeled as like like anti-feminist and like you're a misogynist and like you're old-fashioned in like a bad way, et cetera, by Albie. But then we see this like modern day situation where Albie's being, frankly, a bad man. He's being a bad person by letting his friend just like go away with strangers. But more than that, he's being a bad man. 
And no matter what your take is on what's happening in the world right now, I think we can all agree on one thing is that we don't want to be raising bad men because if we don't have good men in the world, shit is going to go down. And the reason why shit's going to go down is because it doesn't matter how empowered we are as women, men are stronger than us. Men are physically stronger than us. So if we don't have healthy masculine men that are making us as women feel safe, oh, we aren't going to be feeling safe. We are just going to be feeling constantly stressed and constantly on the lookout all the time because men aren't our protectors anymore. And the reality is, ladies, no matter how strong you are, no matter how much of an independent woman you are, and I didn't want to face this for a long time either, our, like our hormonal profile is different to men. Men's level of testosterone that is far beyond ours, that is what allows them to be physically stronger than us in dangerous situations. We need that. We need that. If we want our society to collapse, then we then we can keep fighting against each other. Then we can keep ruining our gender as women and as men. But if we want harmony in society, then we need to stop allowing this like and frankly feeding into this breakdown of our genders because we are stronger together and we are so fucking weak when we are against each other. And we don't want weakness in our community, in ourselves, in our society. We want strength. So if you want to feel stronger in your life, in your society, on your community, heal your relationship with the opposite sex and heal your relationship with your gender. Because so many women have so much shit around being women, as you guys know, so many men have shit around being men now as well. We need to heal it. We need to stop running from it and avoiding it and instead face it and heal it. So I'm going to end there with the with the White Lotus episodes. I really hope that you guys enjoyed them. I find them really fun to do. I know they're a bit different, but what I've gotten the feedback from you guys of is that they're really helpful because you've literally seen the context. Like you've seen the situations, you've seen the negative way that it's played out and how it could have played out for more positive uh, results. So if you haven't already shared the episode on your Instagram or with your friends, please make sure that you do to help us continue or help me continue to grow the podcast and reach more people. As I reach more people, I get to help more people, more people heal. It means that more people are their best selves in life, which only benefits you because I know there's plenty of you that are meeting, are wanting to meet more aligned friends and more aligned people in your life. And that's only going to happen if more people get access to this healing and to this work and to this realization and frankly, to this validation. Because I know a lot of what I talk about, you guys might find triggering in the beginning, but then you're like, holy shit, this is really validating and I don't want to admit it. So let's bring that to the table for more people if you haven't already. Okay. I'm going to leave you there. I hope that you will have a lovely rest of your week. Do not forget about the very exciting new offers coming up and I will see you guys in the next episode.